0: Coming up on today's edition of the DNC podcast, we talk about the World Series. It is now solidified. It is the Atlanta Braves versus the Houston Astros. Should be an exciting series. Both teams have had great seasons. So we get into who we think is going to win the World Series. We talk about college football and some more teams that we think are going to maybe squeak their way into the college football playoff. And then maybe some teams that are a little bit more overrated at this point in the season, regardless of their record. We talk about college football, and then we get into the NFL. Not as exciting of a weekend as we've had in the weeks past, uh, but we talk about some surprising moments, uh, some guys that maybe have inched their way into the MVP conversation, uh, some surprise teams. So a lot we cover on this episode, a little bit longer one, but I think you guys will enjoy it. We had a blast doing it, so buckle up. Let's go. In a year that has been so improbable. The impossible has happened. I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. So you seen having a 37-year-old? We're right? on to Cincinnati. And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala, Up the layup. Oh, blocked by James. James!
1: Episode 79 of the DNC Podcast. Crazy weekend sports, college football, NFL. And the World Series matchup, the whole world wanted the Atlanta Braves <laughs> and Houston Astros. Yeah. Drum applause, please. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I mean, the Dodgers, you have to feel like you absolutely blew it. You 100%. Know, get this matchup. And I think what's crazy to me, and this is the thing I think I love the most about baseball, and I'm not a huge baseball guy, is like it's the absolute definition of a team sport. And what I mean by this is like you look at the Phillies when they won it a few years ago they arguably lost their best player of the offseason before in Bryce Harper. You look at Atlanta, Acuna's been out for, what, five, six months now. Yep. You look at Houston, you have Verlander out, and it doesn't matter because baseball is such a team sport. It's so multidimensional where one guy can't just take you the distance. I mean, Mike Trout is a perfect example of that, right? Yeah, great so point. We have the matchup I think a lot of people didn't expect. You have Houston, who's Really played well all year. You can make a case that they were the most consistent team. I think Atlanta surprised a lot of people. Nobody picked them to beat the Dodgers. You know with that pitching lineup the Dodgers have, and they found a way. They grinded it out. Part of me wants Atlanta to win because I still feel bad for the twenty-eight to three comeback with my New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, um, a few years back, I have to, I have to throw in that stat whenever I get a chance. I have to. And so um, Tommy does. It's gonna, it's gonna be really interesting. He has to, man. Um. Who, who do you think has it and, and why?
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I want to go. I'm going with Atlanta as well. I look, it's the first time they've been in the World Series since 1999. Um, to your point, the the Falcons have just been really tough on the city of Atlanta, as far as being a fan is concerned. And I, I like their team. Like I like their guys. I, I think they've got a lot of team first guys. Um, Ozzie Albies is a beast. Freddie Freeman's been a guy that's really kind of had an up and down roller coaster with that franchise. And he's always been kind of a steady component for them An MVP last year, you know, with Acuna being out. Um, I think you made a great point. Like that's the thing that makes baseball super unique is that it really is a team sport. Cause if you look at the Dodgers lineup, like people will make the excuse that, you know, Muncy was out um, you know, Kershaw was out, but you also got Max Scherzer. Um, you also had Trey Turner that you acquired at the trade deadline. Um, you still have Walker Bueller. Uh, you still had uh, Julio Urias. I mean, you've got so many arms. I know. Yeah, it's like
1: you have you have Julio who had 20, 20 wins. This yeah, time, he's a right, potential right?
0: Cy the Young guy. Wins. You have <laughs> so is yeah, Walker Bueller you have
1: Walker, and you have Scherzer. Like any anybody would dream to have those three guys, right? And I was talking to people like it's like, all right, so you're telling me you have Betts, right? Who's like a former MVP. Right. Um, you have all those guys, and you're gonna you're gonna say because of you know you're making excuses because Muncie's out like really you're going to say Muncie's the reason you don't win the World Series like
0: give me a right well and and if you look at Atlanta's pitching staff like they're really really solid uh, you know at the top with Ian Anderson um they're they're still young though so it's not like they just have a ton of this postseason experience like the Dodgers have a ton of postseason experience a lot of their guys are veterans and um and I honestly was hoping that the Giants would beat them because I wanted the Giants to get through I'm a huge Buster Posey fan but um yeah, I, I really like Atlanta in this series. I think they're, they're feeling confident about themselves. They're riding high right now, and um, I, I hope we get a long series, though, just because I think it'll be really, really fun. And um, But yeah, I'm going to take Atlanta in six. what you got.
1: I like Houston. Um, for me, they're, their bats are just so consistent, yeah. and I think for me, you know, they're not very dependent on the home run. Um, they have so many guys when you look at the middle of the lineup who just hit for average and they do great with runners and scoring position. They faced a lot of good pitching, you know, playing in the American league. They play a lot of good, they placed a lot of good pitching through the playoffs. And so I think for me, I just trust them. A lot of those guys were on that world series team. The biggest difference has been like the pitching staff, but all those position players have done that have done it and been there before. And so, you know, I, I think I have Houston, um, Think it's five or six. I don't think it's going to be as competitive as we think. I think Houston's going to be the better f- team, unfortunately. Um, they are though. They're a I think great I got team. Houston in five. Yeah. Okay.
0: Houston in yeah, five. Yeah. I
1: think I got Houston in five.
0: All right. So let's shift gears to college football. Um, man, just so many, so many teams to talk about. Right. I, I want to start with Oklahoma because even though they did win this game, they got shut out in the first half by Kansas. Okay. Um, for the first time since 2014. So.
1: And this was a basketball game, not a
0: football game. Um, Yeah, so Caleb Williams, for me, you know, the last two weeks he comes in uh, to replace Spencer Rattler against Texas. Has an incredible game. um, Goes off last week. I think they played TCU. And then um, they play Kansas this week, and they get shut out. And, you know, I said this before the show. I was like, I – there's – I don't know how I feel about them only because they've been so inconsistent. Like I don't think we've seen this from a Lincoln-Riley-Oklahoma team in a really long time. Like Typically, the defense is the big question mark, uh, and the offense is usually pretty steady and consistent, but we've really seen them struggle this year, and they're allowing teams that should not be in games with them to stay and hang with them. What are your thoughts on Oklahoma? Do you think that Spencer Rattler has a chance to get reinstated as the quarterback this year? Um, and if not, like, do you think Caleb's the guy that can lead them to the playoff?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Spencer's out. I mean, he took, uh, he recently took quarterback at Oklahoma off his Instagram. Like, he went full on, I didn't like, know well, that. I'm done. Yeah, and so I, f- I feel like he's kind of separated himself from the team. I think he's, like, shown, like, I think the question marks with leaderships that, like, everybody had concerns on, probably, like, when he got recruited even, are kind of showing, now that he lost a job to Caleb Williams, I think what's been impressive to me about Oklahoma is I think there's two ways you can look at it. There's one case. And I think when you look at like the sec and, and the level of competition versus, you know, the big, what the big 12 is the fact that like Oklahoma's winning these close games, but they're still winning it. I mean, you could make a case that like they've could have a very similar trajectory as Clemson, who's now four and three, they've just found a way to pull some of these games away. And so you have to give them the fact that they haven't lost or eight. no, But the style and explosive offense that we're used to seeing with Lincoln Riley, it's definitely not there. Um, I think you know there's going to be some growing pains, right? You do a quarterback, you know, for sure, halfway through the season, and so yeah. I mean, I think they're still in my mind in the Ben. I'm sure we agree on this. I think they're still in our mind probably like the best team to get in the playoffs when you look at like the teams ranked four through eight. When you look at like Michigan and Ohio State because they both have to play each other but I don't feel like Oklahoma really is going to challenge either Georgia or Alabama because the one thing that's always kept Oklahoma in games and you look at, you know, all of the ball games they've played and especially the past five years is they've been able to put up 50 on you because you know they're going to give up 40 plus. Right. So that's where you get concerns when you're playing in the SEC and you're playing these other high power offenses is like when you can't score 35 points, 28 points to win ball games and you have to score 48, are you going to be able to do that consistently? um and Caleb Williams he's young I mean he's super talented five-star recruit he looks like he has the potential but you're gonna have those growing pains I love the uh the strip he made to get the first down and kind of seal that game it yeah awareness level 10 the, uh, for sure they're Reggie Bush they Reggie yeah it kind of reminded me of the Reggie Bush fumble um like lateral he did versus Texas way back yep. in, the day in the Rose Bowl it just actually right. Worked the right way but it was interesting it was an interesting play to watch for like a freshman to be that aware of the situation. Um, it could have been disastrous, but it ended up kind of working out. But yeah, my thoughts on Oklahoma is like, it's been impressive that they've found out a way to win these tight games because there is something also about like, can you get the win? Can you win these really games? But you want to see them beat the teams like Kansas more handily. Um, kind of like what we saw from Ohio state this week. We're like Ohio state. There's been times where Ohio state's been like a little bit of a question mark where it hasn't seemed like it's been like a consistent performance week in and week out, but then they have games where they just absolutely like blow the doors off somebody. You're like, all right, cool. Like this is the Ohio state, like we expected. Right. So it's like, you get Indiana and you beat them 57, 54 to seven. And so it's like, all right, cool. Like, that's what I expect. And it hasn't really seemed like there's been that game from Oklahoma yet. There hasn't really been, you can make a case that like it happened last week, but Oklahoma should have like anywhere from four to five of these blowout games a year. Right. That's what we're accustomed right. to seeing and not seeing that versus the strength of schedule is a little bit concerning to me. Um, Alabama looks great though. They've, uh, they've recovered from the loss from, uh, Few weeks back for Texas A yeah. and M. What are your thoughts on Bama?
0: Yeah, I mean, we both I think feel the same about Bama. I it was weird that they lost to Texas A and M, but at the same time, you know, I, I watched the Tennessee game and Tennessee hung around for a while. I mean, this, the score at the end there is obviously shows that it was a blow, but it was really really close until like the beginning of the fourth. So, um, I think it just shows you though how how explosive Alabama's offense can be, which is which is really dangerous with Bryce Young. And by the way, one of my favorite things from the weekend is that he changes face mask to a quarterback face mask. Um, you know how much that stuff bothers me. So I'm really excited about that. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think they're obviously going to be in the playoff. I think they they should be the favorite to, to win it all this year. Um, but I want to talk about another team that you actually just kind of glazed over, which was Ohio state. You know, we talked about them kind of concerning us a little earlier in the season and they've just like dominated the last like four to five weeks. And you know C.J. Stroud has like pushed himself into the Heisman conversation, which is really awesome. Um, and you know, you and I have had our our, our disputes between Michigan and Ohio State because they're going to come together and meet. And I hope I hope they I hope when they do meet up that they will both be undefeated because I think it's just one of the greatest rivalries, not just in college football but in all of sports. Um, what are your thoughts on Ohio State? Like, I personally trust Ohio State a lot more, even though they have one loss than Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean,
1: I I trust Ohio State. More than Oklahoma, I think defensively, like they've shown, especially, I mean, the way they recruit on the defensive line for the past five to six years has been, you know, probably the best in college football. You can maybe make a case for Clemson in that one year span where I think they like sent four guys to the pros, but consistently you look at Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa. I mean, it's like top five pick after top five pick after top five pick. And they have another guy this year as well. And so like, right. They're really stout on that side of the ball. And then I think for me, what's so impressive about them offensively is Besides Alabama, I think they have the best balance as far as passing and running the ball. When you look at Michigan, what really concerns me about Michigan is they're so um, reliant on the run that if you get in a situation where you're down 14, like can you come back from that? Right? I think those are some of my concerns with Georgia because right. at times like they've really struggled to push the ball downfield when they need to. Oklahoma is the opposite. They can throw the ball anywhere, but running the ball, they're not as consistent with that. With, with Ohio State, to your point, C.J. Shroud even in their loss, like he's been consistent this season, and so like he really hasn't been the issue. It's more been the defense, right? In the games that they've had close games, it's been they've been given up too many points, and so I think you can make a case that Ohio State's probably the be- the third best team in the nation. I think I'd have Alabama number one, Georgia number two, and Ohio State number three. And so for them, they're in a really good spot because I think if they beat Michigan and I think they win their conference standing, I still think with the one loss. They've made a case to be the four seed over Oklahoma. And I think we've seen the committee over the last four years really look at, it's not just your record on the field, but it's how are you performing. And I think for Oklahoma, if they don't turn around, there's a chance that they could go undefeated and possibly not make the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Do you think there's a chance that Cincinnati and Oklahoma go undefeated and don't make the playoff? As of right now, which
1: is crazy to think because it's so like anti what the committee's been. I think Cincinnati has a better chance how they're currently playing to make the playoffs over Oklahoma. Just because I think they've been more consistent. They've had the better – like their win, I think, versus Notre Dame is better than any win that Oklahoma's had. Like I don't think Oklahoma's have like a signature win where you're like, hey, it's been really, really impressive. Where Cincinnati's win over Notre Dame I think is probably a better one at this point.
0: So what are your thoughts on – just seeing how Ole Miss played against LSU, they have one loss. Their one loss is to Bama. If they win out, do you think the committee should look at Ole Miss?
1: Three teams from the SEC is tough, bro. I mean, you might as well just like do the SEC Conference Championship and call it the, the, uh, the college football playoff. I mean that's well, what's so. That's tough. why it like, needs to
0: be expanded, and that's why I know that they're really discussing that. I think it needs to be expanded beyond four teams, because every year there's always there's always like I feel like at least five to six teams where you're like okay, makes sense. Like they should at least have the chance to compete in a playoff. Um, because it, to me, it's like if you're one loss, if if Bama ends up finishing out the season as the number one ranked team in the country, and that's your one loss. That's, I mean, in the but SEC, my, every my week is a like, Yeah, but my
1: thought is like, you could legit have two teams and just have the second best team play Alabama, and nine times out of 10, they're going to lose. Like, that's the thing for me is like, you could go to eight, but do I think Old Miss, if they replay Alabama, is it going to be close? No, Bama's going to shut them out. And so I think that's what's hard for me is it's like, we have the best team in college football. And then normally there's like a two or three year span where you have someone else like kind of vying to like compete with Bama, whether it was Clemson or Ohio State or Oklahoma, right? And then after that, you have like really good teams, but none of them have a shot. Like Bama is not going to lose to Old Michigan. I mean, they didn't lose the first time. They're not going to lose the second time. And so I think that's what's tough for me is like, I like the idea of having an extended college football playoffs. I just don't know if the end result would ever be different.
0: No, but I think it would allow for teams to like have a shot. Because it's not a series, right? It's one game. And anybody, we, we know, we've seen the movie Any Given for Sunday. Sure. Like Any team can beat anybody on any given day. Um, but I just would ask you this. like As an SEC team. Except Alabama on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that Alabama, like, okay, with Ole Miss and Alabama, you said nine times out of ten, Bama's probably winning that game, which I would probably agree with. But do you think Cincinnati's better than Ole Miss?
1: No, I I think that's what's like so tough about like the schedule. See, so that's that's what what I'm saying. It's like it's like you
0: know. I think I think it's it's weird. It's one of those off years that being a non power five team and being undefeated because normally in the past it was like if you're an sec sec team and you lost one game maybe even two like you are probably ranked higher than a non power five school because their schedule's so bad like. Dude, I think has what's to-
1: helped Cincinnati though is like I think it's like last year as well. I don't know it is hundred percent how well
0: they played last year. Yeah, good point. And the
1: r- amount of returning starters, like if Cincinnati would have been five and five last year, there's no way they'd be the number two ranked team in the nation. And I'm not even saying like that's like the right way to go about it, but I think how well they played last year, I think they almost pulled the bowl upset against LSU um like they played so well last year and they had so many returning starters returning quarterback that i think all of that has been considered in their you know current ranking as what the number what two team in the nation would i probably pick 10 teams to beat them head to head yes like i would probably pick michigan i'd probably pick old miss georgia i mean we could literally go through the standings right now in college football and like i'm taking georgia bama Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Mississippi. The Notre Dame game was close, you know? And then if Oklahoma's playing at its best, they got better players on the field. And so I think that's what's tough for me is like, you have to respect everything Cincinnati's done. But if Cincinnati and Alabama play in the national championship game, it's (laughs) going to be 49-3. It's going to be be 49-3. to
0: Yeah, it's going to be like the – do you remember? I think it was like five, six years ago when, when Bama played Notre Dame that, was, yeah, hor- that was, was that was that was all four that dude i i remember that game it was i do you remember the moment when um aj mccarron was um it was like fourth quarter dude the game was completely over blowout and mccarron was trying to get the ball snapped and cuz the the play clock was running down and the center didn't snap it and he flipped out like got in his face flipped out and dude they were up like 30 at the end of the fourth, like it just shows you the culture Nick Saban creates. Like I was watching the Tennessee game this weekend and like, it doesn't matter. Like the time of the game, it doesn't matter the score of the game. Like Saban will lose his ish. If something is not done the way he wants it to be done. Like he got mad at Bryce Young, dude. there
1: and that's why they're so good. It's like people who are great are great 24-7. You don't slow down when you know, you're know you ahead. I mean, you watch Brady. I mean, it's almost like psychotic, right? You, these people where they're up in a game. And to them, it's like the expectation is to always be perfect. And it doesn't matter if you're up 24-0 to zero or you're down five with two minutes left and you have the ball. Like the expectation is to consistently work on your craft and be perfect. And I think that's really what, what makes Saban a different animal.
0: So let's talk about one more team. Because I think there's there's a lot of one-loss teams, right? Where I, I just talked to you about Ole Miss. So you you touched on this. You touched on Oregon. What do you think? Like if they if they win out, right, they have one loss. Do you think a Pac-12 school should be favored over an undefeated Cincinnati who's in the American I Conference? I think it's a flip of the coin.
1: I mean, the Pac-12 the last 10 years has kind of felt like the American Conference because it's like they've been so inconsistent – um, yeah, that's, that's fair. You know, it, it's just tough. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't know, man. I think
0: I wanted UCLA to win that game, to be honest. And I'm not even like, I'm not even a Chip Kelly fan, honestly. But, um, I just, I don't know. I like UCLA. I like the brand and I think they're good for college football when they are good. Um, it's, it's weird. Isn't it weird? Like UCLA feels way closer to being competitive than USC. Like it's weird to me. I don't know. We've we've seen USC struggle for a really long time. So, all right, let's go ahead and move lanes. Um, let's get in the NFL because I I think this weekend was like kind of I don't know. I felt this way. I was like there was a lot of blowouts. Like it was kind of a boring weekend to me. But I still love football, so it's like you know I'm gonna watch the games. But um, let's start with your Pats, man. Like putting up 54. I don't care if it's on the Jets, 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 man. Like that is. I hey, I said it at the beginning of the season. I think your Pats are, first of all, way better than what your record shows. But, like, can we talk about mac Massachusetts Can we talk about Mac Daddy-Jones? Like, this this guy, I don't care what anybody says, dude. I don't care if you call it the West Coast offense, think it, dunk. It does not matter. He is a rookie. This guy does not look like a
1: rookie. 71% completion percentage. Uh looking to potentially beat Dak Prescott's record for a rookie who had 68%. I mean, so, I mean, when you compete seven out of 10 of your passes, you're going to put your team in a great position to win. And so it's like, I think this is a a game that we really needed from a morale standpoint, because to your point, we've had a lot of close losses. You look at the Bucs, 19, 17, you look at your Cowboys. We lost you guys in overtime. The only game that was really a- – That's two wins right yeah. there,
0: honestly. I mean, like, it should have been.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look, you look at the Dolphins. We lost week one, 17-16. But we had the ball with a minute left, and we fumbled it, right? The only, quote-unquote, blowout loss was the Saints. But there was actually, like, a few big plays in that game that just didn't go our way where you look at the um, – The Winston touchdown on fourth and goal when he just like threw it up for a prayer and their guy came down with it. The pick six that got um, bobbled, that Mac threw on the crossing routes. Like that was a much closer game. So we've been in a lot of these close games. But at the end of the day, it's like, you could be in, you know, you look at the Chargers last year. I think the Chargers were in the most um, one loss games. I mean, one possession loss games last season and they still didn't make the playoffs, right? So like you still have to win the games. And so it doesn't matter if they're close or they're far. If you lose the game, you lose the game. But I think from this, what I've liked from seeing this team is like, they haven't given up. Right. But look at last week's game and we got the win versus the Texans, but like to beat this Houston Texans game, 25 to 22 to me, I'm like the Texans are a bad football team. Right. And so what new England's done historically is They've been one of the most consistent teams. Where like they get after the teams they're they're supposed to get after, and they get after them pretty handily. And to see that performance against the Jets on both sides of the football, offense, defense, everyone was making plays. We ran the ball, we passed the ball. It was super explosive. McDaniel's is being so creative as a play caller. He's always been one of the most creative, but it's like we're doing two or three trick plays a game. It's great. Um, But to your point, it's the Jets. I think next week's matchup versus the Chargers is going to be. For me, it's going to be really um, a, a, a test game. Like it's really going to gauge where we're at, right? You look at how the Chargers have played, they've been up and down, but when they're at their ceiling and Herbert's playing as he's capable of playing, they're arguably, you know, a top five team in the NFL. And so it's a good win. We're still three and four, though. We got a ways to go, but you know, with the bills losing to the Titans last week on Monday night football and having the buy, we're basically two games out. We have a lot of winnable games in our next Three out of our next four, I think, are winnable. When you look at the Chargers, that can go either way. You have the Panthers, who have been struggling as of late. The Browns have been struggling, and then we have Atlanta. And so we do have a nice stretch um, in our next four. And so you know, hopefully we can uh, we can rattle some out. One thing I want to talk about real quick, though, is just like the NFL standings. Like, in what universe would you say? Through you know a quarter point of the season, you have the Raiders and you have the Bengals. My Raiders, the dude. Divisions. I mean, when was oh, the last I time called
0: that it. I called it, man. Your Raiders, um, though, man. Your we Raiders. don't really got Those into the whole Raiders. John Gruden situation, which we won't, because I don't think you guys want to listen to me and Dust go off on the lunacy of uh, just this world we live in. But um, man, I, I like I said, I just think Derek Carr is so underrated. I think he gets so disrespected. Um, you and I talked before the show and we'll, we'll get into the Joe Burrow thing, but it's like, I think we just now live in this day and age where like, we're so enamored by talent. And I think that's great. Like, it's okay to love talent. I love watching talent. I don't care what it is that somebody's doing. Like I've been to Cirque du Soleil shows and like seeing people do crazy stuff with yo-yos, which I would naturally be like, I don't really care about yo-yos. But like, if you do something crazy where I'm like, wow, that's like a lot of skill and talent and time that you invested to do that, then I'm, I'm all in. And so When I look at Derek Carr, he's not the most physically gifted guy. Um, He's not going to jump off this TV screen for you like a Mahomes. He's not going to make the three quarters, you know, throw, no look pass. The 31 of 34 for 323 and two touchdowns, he did have a pick. But, I mean, still, it's like three incompletions, one of them being a pick. Um, And just looking at how he's played this year, like – I just, I I, I don't know how you can't, I know you and I talked about this like five, six pods ago when I asked you like name 10 guys better, but um, it's not like, it's not like Vegas is just stacked. Like he's, he's really working with basically Darren Waller. Like Josh Jacobs is, is a, is a solid back, but like, I think people think he's better than he is. And he, he got, he gets hurt all the time. He got hurt this, this weekend. Henry Ruggs is finally like, Okay. Maybe this guy could be like a Tyreek Hill type of guy. But it's just I, I, I don't it's not like he's just surrounded with all this talent. And um yeah, I, I really like Vegas, man. I really do. And um and let's talk about the Bengals, uh, unless you have something to say about DC and the and the Raiders. I know how much you don't like them.
1: <laughs> I've just been impressed. I mean, especially with Waller missing the game last night he's been their security blanket all year, right? So like that's who Derek Carr looks for on first, second, third down. He leads the NFL in targets. You look at Josh Jacobs. Yeah, he's a good talent, but he's missed almost half of the games he's played in since he's been drafted, right? And so you look at the consistency there, it hasn't been there. And to your point, like Henry Ruggs, we like the potential, but he's not contributing to more than maybe one or two explosive plays a game, if that. And so what's been so impressive about Derek Carr, I think, that this part of the season is just the distribution of the football. I mean, he hit 10 different players yesterday. I mean, you don't see that happen in the NFL. I mean, you can make a case that Tommy to that New England, but that was because they just had no weapons, that he had to move the ball around. It wasn't by choice. But it's like you hit literally 10 different guys. You had eight different guys have over three grabs. I mean, that's absolute mastery of the quarterback position. And so, you know, am I the biggest Derek Carr guy? No. But is he playing at world class level this year? He's playing well. I'm going to get you a Derek Carr and jersey, actually. the reality is... The reality is Derek Carr is the reason the Raiders are 5-2. and two. I mean, he's the reason. The defense has, you know, made plays at times. I think Crosby um, has been really impressive this season, right? And But besides that, like, it's not like you look at their roster on either side and you think like, oh, this guy's an absolute, like, game record. Like, Max Crosby's having a great season. But before this season, not many people knew who Max Crosby was. They definitely didn't know he spelled his name with two X's. I mean, you know, you're a badass. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Right? yeah nobody yeah. would have known that, right? You could, if, besides a Vegas fan, like, you're not naming five guys on that Raiders roster. You're not. And so it's like they're doing it with a lot of people that you don't know about. And that's what I think has been so impressive about Garrett Carr. And what I always value most in a quarterback is no disrespect to Patrick, Holmes, Patrick Mahomes, but when you have Tyreek Hill, right? And you have Travis Kelsey, you're going to put up video game numbers. How I look at a quarterback is how do you elevate the talent around you, right? And I think Derek Carr this season has probably elevated talent around him more than anybody else, because you look at every other quarterback who's putting up these gaudy numbers, and you look at the talent level they have versus the Raiders, and it's night and day. You look at Tampa, three number one wide receivers. You look at the Rams, you have Cooper Cup, you have Robert Woods. You have Sean McVay who counts as something because he's so good at calling plays, right? You look right. at the Chiefs situation. You look at the Chargers situation. You look at the Bengals situation. I mean, the Bengals have three solid wideouts. They have a tight end who's emerging. They have a good running back. And really, Derek Carr... You can make a, a very strong case. It's probably not even argument at this point that he has the least talent around him from a weapon standpoint. They don't have a great offensive line. They have a solid offensive line, but he's been really he's been really consistent. Completion percentage has been through the roof, and you know. And then you also look at like the Gruden situation, and whether you thought Gruden was the best play caller or not, right? And I've not loved his play calls early in the season. You're yep. still losing a head coach midway through the season. And that's a lot in the locker room. And for Absolutely. Derek Carr to be able to get the guys to stay motivated, to stay focused yeah, great in that division they're in, you have to give them leadership kudos for that. And, and they've been really impressive. man.
0: So let's talk about the Bengals. Joey B, Stogie Joey. I don't know if you guys watched post the national championship. Uh, Joe Burrow was famously smoking a cigar by himself with a, Famous hat, I won't, I, can't, I you know, I don't really want to go into details on what the hat said, but if you want to go look it up uh, from 2019, just go look at uh, what did Joe Burrow's hat say um, after the 2019 national championship. Anyway, man, I texted you yesterday during this game, the Bengals throttled Baltimore 41-17, and I'd said, I think Joe Burrow just put himself in the MVP conversation because you and I last year, I'm trying to give us a little bit of credit for kind of predicting this on a level. But we were like, hey, like, since he could be a sneaky good team. And Joe Burrow ended up getting hurt. And they lost like a few games in the beginning of the season, like super close. And like, literally in year two coming off an ACL, like, not only are they, like, they should be six and one because they should have been Green Bay if their kicker could have made a field goal, cool. but they're five and two. And Joe Burrow is, to me, playing like a top five guy. And um, I just don't. I like, it's, it's, it's really incredible. Like I'm at a loss for words because normally people are like, Hey, like coming off an ACL, you need like a few games to get acclimated. He's not on a good team. Like I think a lot of people are like, Oh, the Bengals are good now. It's like, no, like, yeah, they've got, like you mentioned, they do have some really, really good weapons offensively, but the only new addition to the team is Jamar chase. It's not like he didn't have that last year. Uh, I think just, just the growth of Joe Burrow, man, what are your thoughts on Joe Burrow, the Bengals, and just like what you think they're going to be going forward in the season?
1: I think I expected this to an extent from Burrow, and I know it's crazy expectations because you're coming off the ACL, but he played so great in his rookie year. He arguably had the best rookie year from like a, a win-loss standpoint um, of any rookie quarterback we've seen since like Andrew Luck, where like, Herbert put up great stats last year, but the Chargers didn't win a lot of football games. Where, like When Burrow was playing, the Bengals were in every game he was playing. I think what's been most impressive to me this season with the Bengals completely um, honest is besides the Packers game, which was a field goal in overtime, they haven't given up more than 25 points a game this season. And you're talking about a defense last year that was historically bad. Right, and right. they're not great this year, but they're keeping them in football games. Right. And I think as a quarterback, the two things you want is you want an offensive line that keeps you healthy. Right. And he's still taking a few shots I'm like, dude, they got to protect this guy. Cause he's the thing you love about him is no, like, he's, he's taking some box, shots. He delivers a ball. But he's taken some shots, and I think that's what concerns me just because, like, we saw what happened to Andrew Luck, and we saw, like, how week after week – I remember Aaron Rodgers after the Packers game pulled him over, and he's like, you're too good to take that shot. Like, you got to slide. And I think that's what's hard is, like, when you're 23, 24, 25, you're thinking, like, oh, I'm good, man. It's like, yeah, but when you're 29, that is just going to hurt. Like, it's going to roll over the next morning and be like – I got a dead arm, right? And so, bro, I'm feeling yeah, it already, dude. It.
0: I don't know about you, yeah. I, dude. I, it's right, real. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I did. I did a what is it called? A squats on Saturday, and my back still sore. I told my dad, I was like, I got to stop working out my lower back when I work out my legs. But yeah, just leg um, press it, dude. I think th-
0: that's for old people, for sure. I think their
1: their defense has been phenomenal, right? And I think like that's apart from me in Cincinnati, which was the biggest concern going into this season. Offensively, I think Joe Burrow kind of spoke about it in the post-game interview is they have a lot of weapons, right? Which has given him the ability to really go through his target share and really like find the best guy. And to this point, when he's been open, Lamar Chase has made plays, right? Eight grabs for two hundred one yards. He's really been explosive. But then you look at him. If teams start doubling him later in the season, they have T Higgins, right? You also, um, who, who's their slot guy? He's super, Tyler solid. Boyd, um, Tyler yeah. Boyd, right in the slot. Right. You know, and he was their number one two years ago, right? Now he's probably their number three. And so they have the talent around them. I think for Joe Brewer, like, the is really the limit. Um, it's just c- consistently can they keep him healthy, right? Which I think is for sure the biggest factor, I think, for all rookie quarterbacks, but especially with how nasty that ACL. I mean, that ACL tear last year, that hit he took on the knee, that's one of the most brutal hits I've seen in the past, you know, five seasons. It was at- – I mean, he got devastated, right? And so if they can continue <laughs> to run the football, play good defense – and protect him. I like him, you man. Because you look yeah, at this division. I mean, players. it's it's interesting. I mean, the Steelers. You want to put a you want to put a stake in them. They look dead. And then the Browns. It was like if you're a Browns fan right now, you're like you have to be. I mean, you got to check on your mental health if you're a Browns fan because it's like you thought Steelers are down, Ravens have Lamar Jackson, so you know we have the better quarterback. thing. I just called Baker better than Lamar. That's gonna be a, that's a hot take for someone. And um, They've been so inconsistent. And if, if Cincinnati takes over the Browns to win that division with the Browns roster, I don't know how you wake up every morning in Cleveland. I mean it's tough, but as of right now, like I'm taking the I'm taking this Cincinnati over over Cleveland. Well,
0: especially since you're in the same state. Like it's rare, like you're in the same division, but you're in the same state. Like I know you obviously in um you know with the Chargers and the and the Niners, like they're both <laughs> ones in the AFC, one's in the NFC. And then you have, um, obviously the, the, um, the Rams and the Niners are in the same state, but it's like, it's pretty rare. Like, you don't have that, obviously, too, too frequently, um, in the NFL. So, like, the fact that you have Cincinnati, Ohio, and you have Cleveland, Ohio, and it's not even a debate that Cleveland has a far better roster than Cincy. And if Cincy wins this division, like, I don't know how you don't give the, it's hard because, like, Tommy's going off. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people like what Rodgers is doing. Oh,
1: if if since if Cincinnati wins thirteen games, twelve <laughs> games in the division,
0: Burrow has to be the MVP. He has I mean, it's, to. It's it's but I. It's not a. It's not a most valuable player award. You and I have talked about this. Like it's a stats deal, bro. But here's the thing: the Bucks are six and one. Yeah. Their best start in franchise. But is he's but he's
1: he's a new. He's a new face, though. You know, I think sometimes it's like it's it's, it's stats slash story. And he's a new guy, right? And if Patrick Mahomes ends up struggling, they're going to have to
0: find. Okay, him I was just was gonna. To okay, guys, you you know, kind like, of already touched on it, but I was you kind of sparked a question to me. Do you think there's any chance that like Joe Burrow, or like really anybody? But like, I think since we're on the conversation topic of conversation. You think Joe Burrow has a chance to surpass Mahomes as like the face of the league? All right, so here's
1: my... Uh, here's my Or is it
0: just, is that hot take like too early?
1: So here's my hot take for episode 79, right? So I've been, you know, I've been on the Joe Burrow train the past few weeks, right? I've, you know, not comped to Brady, but said like when I see Burrow, I see Brady because I, when I look at like how he plays a quarterback position, it's not based upon pure talent. It's based upon like putting your team in a position to win games. The more I watch Patrick Mahomes, right? And we're in what year three or four now, I see way less Tom Brady, and I see more Brett Favre. And what I mean by that is it it's not taking anything sure. away from great the talent of Patrick Mahomes because in his total career, there were multiple times where Brett Favre was in the conversation as the best quarterback in the NFL or the most talented. Probably a better way to phrase it is yeah, the most he's talented. he's three-time
0: MVP. Yeah, is, yeah.
1: The most talented quarterback in the NFL. But what was the biggest mistake with Patrick with Brett Favre, it was the turnovers, it was the decision-making, it was the backyard football. And the more I watch the Chiefs play, the more I see that. Where like, There's very few times where I watch a Kansas City drive, and every play in that drive, I think that's what Andy Reid wanted to happen. Half of the plays in the drive is Patrick Mahomes scrambling out and ad-libbing some type of play. And sometimes it works out because they have so much talent on the field but sometimes it's absolutely disastrous. He's fumbling the ball now more than ever. He has 16 interceptions in 16 games and what was so good about him early on was his touchdown to interception ratio and he's just he just doesn't value each possession like you need to as an NFL starting quarterback. Like he he thinks that they can just come behind in every game and he's not playing he's not playing quarterback as good now as he was 2 years ago. He's going out there and he's playing so flashy and it's just like, "Hey, I'm just going to go out there and swing Swing the rock around, and that's what happened to Brett Favre. Like there's a part in Brett Favre's career where you looked at his career trajectory, right? So, like if you look at his numbers, you know, early on in his career, right? You look at his fifth, sixth season, you know, ninety-five through ninety-seven. He was arguably the best quarterback in the league. He was throwing for four thousand yards back when quarterbacks were throwing for thirty-five hundred. He was throwing for thirty-eight touchdowns, thirty-nine touchdowns, thirty-five touchdowns back when quarterbacks weren't really doing that. But then. You look after 97 and it's 23 interceptions, 23 interceptions, 16 interceptions, 15 interceptions. And that was always the issue with Brett Favre was he would just make these throws where you're like, why are you making that decision? Like Most of the plays I remember from Brett Favre are, why did you make that throw? And he had a lot of amazing throws, but the plays I remember from Brett Favre are, why did you do that? And now when you watch Patrick Mahomes and you look at the interception against the Chargers a few weeks ago, like that's the one that sticks out to you. Why did you throw that into double coverage when you could have thrown it out of bounds and lived for third down? Like why are you making those decisions when you are arguably the most talented quarterback in the NFL? And for me, it's his head's not in the right space. And if he continues to go down this path, He's not catching Brady. He's not catching Rodgers. He's not catching Manning. He's going to be one of those guys where he was the most talented guys when he played, but he never completely got what it meant to be a quarterback.
0: Yeah, and I think people are seeing like what we've been saying for the last year and a half, which is it's not that we don't think Patrick Mahomes is talented. Like you would be completely naive to think that. But there's a difference between being super talented and then actually being talented and knowing how to play the quarterback position. Because there's been a lot of talented guys that have come to the NFL. Like Jay Cutler was incredibly talented. Like I don't care what anybody says. He was incredibly talented. Now, was he a good quarterback? Not really. But I'm just saying he was incredibly talented. Cam is pretty much what you would create in a lab if you were like, hey, I'm going to build a quarterback. Like you go into Madden and you create a player. Cam's kind of what you're making. Like rocket arm, 6'5", 240, runs a 4'5", 4'6". Maybe he runs something faster than that. I don't know. I don't remember what his combine stats were. But like, you know, earlier in his career, like, you know, fairly accurate with the football. Uh, just really a game, a game changer, right? But like, never materialized because he cares more about the hat and his hair that he's gonna that he's gonna wear that season, and, um, and just never really invested in being a quarterback. Like, here's the thing about like guys like Joe Burrow and Mac Jones. Like Joe Burrow's obsessed. Like he's obsessed like uh, before the game, Jamar Chase was getting interviewed by Boomer Ison And he said, Hey, do you think Joe makes you better? Or do you make Joe better? And he's like, Joe makes me better because even going back to my days at LSU, like Joe taught me how to watch film. He taught me to like, to see the playbook differently. Like those are things that you cannot teach. Like Mac Jones studying your guys' defensive playbook. Like what? Like you can't teach that stuff. So like, that's why like I look at a guy like Mac Jones and like it wouldn't surprise me in 5 years if you if if he had had more success than Patrick Mahomes like it wouldn't surprise me and it's not because of Bill Belichick but it's because he's obsessed and I'm not trying to question Patrick Mahomes like commitment to the game of football but it's like I don't want to hear the excuses from people like they're stacked offensively they have weapons all across the field like I understand their defense is atrocious I get that 100% but you said something really important which was you can't just go out of here and expect that you're gonna come back and win every game. You can't this year because your defense is, is not as good as it's been in years past. And even in years past, they weren't even great, but they were like better than they are now. But it's like you can't win games playing this way, like consistently. Like it's the same knock I have on on Lamar Jackson. Like you're not gonna win consistently. In this league playing that type of football. Like you see Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson yesterday, and you're like, that's how that's a guy playing quarterback, and that's like a really, really talented athlete on the football field, just like throwing the ball around and running around. Like it's there's two different types of of players there. And so when I look at Mahomes, it's like they're three and four. Like there's no excuse. Like, you cannot just blame the defense. You cannot just blame the offensive line. Like, 20 of 35 for 206 and a pick like Derrick Henry had more passing touchdowns than him yesterday, you know? So it's like, I just, I don't understand why people can't just admit like, look, and I know people will be like, Oh, well you're being a prisoner of the moment. Like it's one season. It's a stretch of games. It's like, no, he's been this way from the get. It's just, he's gotten away with it because the defense has been better. Like think about the the Texans game in the divisional round two, three years ago against the Sean, they were down what? 24 to three. like, they were able to come back, right? But it's 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 not like a new thing. And I think you and I touched on something too that I think is super important. It's like, man, if he's struggling now with Andy Reid, like what's it going to look like in five to seven years? Because like, I don't know if Andy's going to be there in five to seven years. So like, and you're not going to have Travis Kelsey, you're not going to have Tyreek Hill, you're not going to have Nicole Hardman, you're not going to have all these guys that you have right now. Um, so, you know, look, man, I, I know that people probably think we're being super harsh, we're overreacting, but it's like, No, like, we've been calling this for almost two years now, and it's coming to pass. Um, I want to talk about it. Like, if I'm,
1: like, being, like, 100% honest, I'm more concerned. Like, if I'm a Chiefs fan or if I'm a Mahomes fan, like, being completely honest, I'm more concerned that he's, like, regressing to the mean than he's ever going to get back to his trajectory like the media put on him two years ago. Like, I think he's going to be really solid. And I think talent wise, like he's gonna be good enough where they're gonna always kind of be in it. But that's kind of how Brett Favre was. Like on a pure talent standpoint, they were always in it, but there was too much other factors where they were never like consistently the number one team. And unless he starts turning it around, which it's all on him. I think that's the thing about Mahomes, is like it's all on him and the decision making. Like your defense isn't the reason you gave up three points yesterday. You gave up three points. Like you gotta be better than that, and you have to put your team in a position to win and I I would really be concerned if I'm a Chiefs fan, not that this is just a, a random year, but we're seeing signs of Patrick Mahomes that, like, you don't want to see. And it's not, like, random occurrences. We're seeing trends now. Like, it's the same way he played in the Super Bowl that he lost, and he's he's leaving the pocket too much and not going through his progressions enough consistently that I would really be concerned. And if I'm Andy Reid and that coaching staff, I have to sit him down and be like, hey, man, like, you, sometimes, like, being less talented actually like benefits you. Like Brady was talking about a run-out a few weeks ago. He's like, I'm actually best in the pocket. Like when I start moving my legs, I'm gonna get in trouble. And I think sometimes we see this with young quarterbacks where when they are gifted athletically, it actually at times like hampers their development in the pocket because their first initial reaction is, oh, I'm gonna be an athlete and I'm gonna get out on the edge and I'm gonna do what I can do. Where you really just need to subtly move in the pocket and move your hips and step up and make throws, like we've seen Burrow, and I think sometimes that actually helps you because it forces you to go through your progressions first, rely on your, you know, your natural ability.
0: Yeah, and I'll just say this, this, these last two things because I don't want to hang out here too much longer. Um, but number one, I th- the reason why I think the Brett comp is so great is because Brett's an all-timer. Like, it's not that it's not that Patrick Mahomes can't be an all-timer. Like, Brett was a three-time MVP, won a Super Bowl, like had a great career. Mahomes could still have a great career. Again, we're not saying he can't have a great career, but, like, there's a difference between... Like, look at A-Rod, right? Like, even that could be a similar comp because it's, like, super talented. For 10 years, everybody's like, this guy's the most talented guy in the NFL. One Super Bowl. Like, could be the same for Mahomes. Like, super talented. one Super Bowl, right? And honestly, should have lost that Super Bowl, but whatever, he got it. So, um... But it's it's just interesting to me because you know I, I don't I don't think that it's too far off to say those types of things because you know I we said this last year it's like he's gonna find out like how hard it is to do what Tommy's done like to win in the NFL consistently over a decade like is really really difficult um, you know and then the the other thought I have too is that with 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 Mahomes is that like are you are you gonna be the type of guy that like rises from the ashes from this because this is gonna really tell you who he is. Because it's easy when like you're winning 12, 13 games a year, like everybody picks you as the favorite. They think you're the best. They think you individually are the best. Um, and and now you're not. Like how are you going to respond? And that that's going to be super key for me. I want to talk about two two teams to close it out. Um, Cardinals and Bucks, man. I dude, like we talk about this every week with the Cardinals. They're seven and I know they beat the Texans, whatever. But still, they're seven and zero, no, right? Like truthfully, like what are your thoughts on Arizona, man? They're really good. They're a
1: really good football team. Um, It's hard at this point to knock Arizona. I think the, the, the joke I made last week was if Arizona was the Pittsburgh Steelers, everyone would be calling them the Super Bowl favorites. And I think the only thing that's really holding people back at this point is they haven't been there before, right? You look at a lot of guys and it's kind of their first time being this successful, right? You look at Tyler Murray, right? He's a young quarterback, but every week he's making not enough plays to win football games, but he's making next level plays. I mean, we've talked about it multiple times where he makes Russell Wilson type plays and what I've continued to be more impressed about him week in and week out is every time he escapes the pocket, his first option is how can I scan the field and find somebody breaking away and opening up in the middle of the field and yeah, getting absolutely. coverage? And that's what you want in your quarterback. And they've been better running the ball. I mean, you look at last, you know, you look at yesterday's game, Chase Edmonds gave them 81 rushing yards, James Conner gave them 64 rushing yards. So when you think of Arizona, right, you think, oh, they're an air raid offense. Well, yes, but they all are, they're also running the ball really consistently. You know, Zach Hurts was a weird guy that everybody got his first TD, man. Yeah, everyone thought he fell off the earth, but. Three years ago, when you were talking about the, the best tight ends in the game, you were talking about Gray Kittle, Zach Ertz, Gronkowski, and right. you know those were like the guys you were talking about, right? Yep. And so I think Ertz is, they get him for what they got him for. You've already talked about Arizona probably having the most weapons in the NFL, where you have Rondell Moore, you have AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Chase Edmonds out of the backfield. Now you add Stacked. Zach Ertz. Stacked. I mean... You talk about when they get in the red zone, like, what are you doing? Because you kind of have to double DeAndre. But then if you have a safety shade over to DeAndre's side, then you have Zachers up the middle. You also have Christian Kirk and Rondé Moore who are underside receivers, but they're so good in those little quick burst routes where you can't have a linebacker cover them. So you're going to have your third or fourth corner cover those guys with those twitch movements. It's like, it really creates a lot of matchup nightmares. And then Kyler The one thing he has the ability to do is run the football. And I I think what I love about him is for how athletic he is, I think he's the best out of all of the young quarterbacks at only using his legs when he needs to, because Kyler Murray could easily run for a thousand yards like Lamar Jackson. Like if he wanted to lead the NFL in rushing as a quarterback, he could, he could easily do it. He's athletic. He's quick. He's dynamic as a playmaker, But he does it so sparingly and really as an absolute last resort. The only place he ever kind of looks is by the goal line. And it's really only when it's wide open. Like he goes through progression so well. And I think you really have to be impressed with what they've done. They've 7-0. They beat everyone they've had the opportunity to beat. They've blown out teams that they should blow out. Even some of the tough matchups like the Rams a few weeks back, they completely annihilated them. And so I think you have to – If you look at the NFC right now, I think there's I think there's four teams. I think there's the Cowboys, right? I think there's the Bucs. I think there's the Rams and the Cardinals. I think those are the four teams right now. I had to give the edge to two. I'd probably do the Cardinals and the Bucs. You know, it's just it's hard to go against Brady. I think what's been so impressive about the Bucs is you would expect them to kind of play down this season because you already won the Super Bowl. Like, how are you going to stay motivated for Super Bowl hangover after the year you had last year? And the only game they lost was the Rams, and it was a close game, and they played really, really poor. And so Tampa, their defense, when they've wanted to show up, has been absolutely lights out. It's funny how, you know, Matt Nagy was the worst coach in the NFL a few weeks ago, and Chicago struggles, you know, yesterday. They scored three <laughs> points. Justin Phils is the first quarterback in the past five years to have five turnovers. Tampa has the best running defense in the NFL, and Kilo Herbert rushes for 100 yards, right? And so it's just. There's so much bias but it's in the NFL fault. as far as like we want we want these headlines are everybody wants Justin Fields to be the next guy and to me I'm just trying to figure out who's going to be a bust first is it going to be Trey Lance or Justin Fields because one of them is not going to work out you know when there's five quarterbacks in the NFL in the first round maybe two or three of them are going to work out maybe. Zach Wilson got the knee yeah Zach Wilson had the knee injury a lot, you know on Sunday. He's in a horrible situation. You look at Justin Fields, I mean, he's struggling. All of the concerns you had about him, the reasons the Broncos passed on him, we're seeing that right now. And so, if you're a Bears fan, the emotional roller coaster you've been on from April to now, it's not fun. But, um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, to answer your your question in a very a long window, I, I think. I think
0: <laughs> no, man, please take the time. You know, that's what we're. That's what I'm here for. I just want to listen. I'm. I got a. Front. I got a
1: question for you. Um, where are Jimmy G in and and Tua next year? Because I don't think either of them are in Miami or, or uh, San Francisco.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I did hear last night, just watching Sunday Night Football, but apparently, um. The Texans are looking to move Deshaun before the November 2nd trade deadline. So, I think it's going to happen. Supposedly, uh, Carolina, Philly, and obviously the the Dolphins are in the mix. I think the Dolphins have to be in the lead there, and I think to be honest, like if we're just strictly talking football, and we're strictly talking he's going to be available. Like you have to make that move if you're Miami, and I remember texting you about that and you're like, "Dang, man, like the NFC East just literally at that point would go from like for the last 20 years, one of the worst divisions to now having Mac and Deshaun and Josh Allen. Yeah, that's a pretty good division. And um, so I think if I'm Miami, like you throw all your chips in, like you got to make that move. I think Carolina does too. Uh, You and I both were not high on Sam Darnold, but we did give him some credit at the beginning of the year that he was playing well, but he's reverted back to who Sam Darnold's always been. And so I think if you're Carolina you have to be in the mix there. I think those are the two teams that I think desperately need to be in the mix for that. Now, of course, Philly does too. Like if Philly, but I've just read a ton of reports that Philly's not going to make the move, which is really surprising to me because like Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, like not really in the same stratosphere. So, um, yeah, I mean, I he's definitely going to be moved, right? Like we, it's obvious that he's never playing another game for the Texans. Uh, but secondly, as far as Jimmy G is concerned, you know, I, I'm a huge Jimmy G fan. Again, a lot of people don't like him. That's fine. Whatever. He wins football games. Last night was, you know, it was raining. It was a tough game. Um, the record's not showing, you know, that that he's a very good quarterback. But, you know, they don't they – don't, like, George Kittle's been out. Like, it seems like he's always hurt now. And, um, you know, Debo Samuel is a beast. But outside of Debo, they have nobody else. Like, they drafted Brandon Ayuk in the first round last year. And he's – I think he's caught like six eight, or like nine balls this year. Even Shanahan's told him he needs to step up. Um, he doesn't really have a running game. Like he, it's not like he just has Town Run. i like their defense has a lot more guys uh, on paper. But I, to me, like if I'm like Philly or if Carolina doesn't get Deshaun, like some of these teams, like Carolina's a solid roster. If they can get a guy like Jimmy G over Sam Darnold, like I'm pulling the trigger 100. Detroit's another team. Depending on like you know, because I don't think this is a strong quarterback draft. So like to me. Would I rather take a guy like Jimmy G, who is still relatively young? I think he's like 30, which now Brady's proving that like 30 is like the new 20, right? So like 30 still means like he could probably play another eight years. Um, So like to me, Jimmy G is like as long as he stays healthy, like there's several teams that should 100% be in the mix. Um, What are your thoughts on both those guys?
1: Yeah, I think... From the uh, the Jimmy G standpoint, I think there's two teams that kind of speak to me. I think you look at the Houston Texans because from all the reports, they're not really high on Tua, right? So if they end up making the trade with Deshaun, Tua is probably going to go there. And I think if they make that move, they may be taking Jimmy G and have them do a quarterback battle and then you know move the guy who doesn't win that. But I don't think the Texans are 100% sold on Tua. Another team I think will probably look at Jimmy G if they part ways is Washington. I think – Washington coming into this season was a team that a lot of people were really high on. Um, their defense has really struggled, which was it's just weird because they were so explosive last year. But you look at them; they have a good running game in Antonio Gibson. They have. I'm so glad I was weapons wrong on the outside. I'm so glad right? I was wrong
0: about them. <laughs> right?
1: That's the, those are the times when you love being wrong, right? When you're a Cowboys fan, you pick Washington to win the division. You're, you're cool missing on that one. So I think Washington is a team that you have to look and consider. Um, for Jimmy G just because they're a game managing quarterback away from being a, a playoff team. And I think that's what you look at. I think Jimmy G is a above average game manager and you get him on a complete team. He'd have more weapons in Washington. Um, you're playing in a worse division, right? Because you have the Eagles and you have the Giants, right? And so, I mean, talking about the Giants, did you see Danny Dimes grab this weekend,
0: bro? I, I just want to say this real quick. I don't, cause I don't want to, I don't want to uh, reroute your, your take here, but Danny Dimes has low nasty. key played really good this year. No, I know, oh, but sure. like, if you, people are like, they, they're t- saying that, you know, they need to move on from Danny Dimes. He is the only positive thing on this team. Like, this guy's nobody, everybody's hurt, and this guy still shows up and delivers every freaking Sunday for a horrible team. Just, that was my two cents on Danny Dimes.
1: Well, no, 100%. That was my two, it's like, d-
0: two dimes on Danny Dimes.
1: It's like, you look at the season and, um, they signed the wideout. Gosh, what's his name? They signed the wideout. Oh, Kenny the White Galladay. Kenny Galloway, right? Who, Who's done nothing, right? So it's like you sign him, gave that guy $18 million a year to do absolutely nothing. I think he has like less than 10 grabs, right? Hamstring injury after hamstring injury after hamstring <laughs> injury. Uh, Saquon Barkley, right? Like literally can't stay on the film. He can't. Like for being a physical specimen, he's made out of glass, like absolute glass. Like he can't stay on the field. And so you're Danny and like you have nothing. You have Sterling Shepard. Like, that's all you have. And so he's been really impressive. He's been consistent. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So we got the Monday night game. We got the Saints and the Seahawks. It's a bummer. No Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston. These are one of those Monday night games where it's like I watch it because I love football, but I don't have like that high expectations. What do you think happens? Do you think Geno Smith can keep Seattle in the playoff mix? I mean, they are they got a mountain to climb. You look at what the Rams and the Cardinals are doing, right? They're making it pretty tough. Um, you look at the other divisions and how they're kind of shaping out. Seattle needs to win this game tonight to stay Absolutely. in the mix. The Saints for them, they've probably been one of the most inconsistent teams in the NFL where – there are certain games where you watch them and you go, hey, this is a, a good playoff caliber team. And then there's other games where you watch them where they get absolutely blown out. And you're like, how did you lose this football game? And so both teams have been really inconsistent. Seattle's on pace to be the worst defense historically in, in the NFL. What do you think happens tonight?
0: Well, look, you hit the nail on the head. Seattle's got to win this game. Like if they, And, and it's still a huge mountain to climb, per your point. Um, with Russ being out as long as he's going to be out, it's – you know, it's on Gino's shoulders to try to carry the load, which is really crazy because Gino's like a career backup, right? And with a historically bad defense, your, ball, your boy Jamal Adams, you know, having footballs thrown uh, directly to him and hitting him in the face mask, um, you know. Best in the NFL, baby. <laughs> best in the nation. So, yeah, I, I it's, it's obviously a must-win for Seattle. And then I don't know what New Orleans is, man. It's so weird, like – they blow out the Packers, give them their only loss. They come back the next week, get blown out. Jameis Winston's like throwing for 150 yards a game, but like also throws five touchdowns. It's weird, like doesn't throw for a lot of yards, it throws for a lot of touchdowns. And um, it kind of just shows you to me, in my opinion, that Sean Payton doesn't trust him like because he's giving him such a short leash, like the fact that he's only throwing for what he's throwing for. I don't know if you could pull up the stat for me, like what his average uh, passing yards are per game, but I know it's for sure under 200 yards. But I, you know, defensively they're really good, and so I just don't know what to make of them. Like I think they they have to be favored in this game, is like simply because Seattle's defense is atrocious, and you don't have Russell Wilson to bail you out. Um, but I, dude, I just, I, it's tough, man, because I, I like. I like Pete Carroll, like I like the Seahawks, but it's just hard for me to pick. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at Winston, he has 60% completion percentage on the season and averaging oh a buck goodness. 75.
1: Like a <sighs> buck 75.
0: Elite, you know, dude. It's, it's, I'm telling you, pro bowler. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that week one vs the Packers,
1: board. like that's the weirdest stat game you've ever seen where a guy throws for 148 and five touchdowns.
0: Because they're all goal yeah, line touchdowns. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, It was just such a weird yeah. football
1: game. So, yeah.
0: So, I mean I th- again I think you have to go with New Orleans just because of of where Seattle's at defensively and then not having like their franchise guy. Um so I'm going to go oh man. I'm going to go I'm going to go New Orleans 24-13.
1: I got Seattle in a big Jamal. In a in a in a, in a in a in a Jamal Adams game-changing play. stop.
0: Force fumble late. The Jets. That's for, that's about the for, only thing the Jets have won at recently.
1: Force fumble late. Jamal Adams seals seals the deal because we know it won't be a pick. Like he has a chance as a you know a five eleven outside linebacker rushing the passer. We know it ain't gonna be a pick.
0: <laughs> okay, I just um, real quick before we sign off, I gotta ask you this: Seeing Jamal Adams, do you think like teams like the Charters should be hesitant to pay Derwin James?
1: I think it's hard when you play any player because I think that's what happened to Jamal. Like, Jamal and the Jets, this is what's so crazy. It's like both of us liked the deal. He was good. Seattle. Yeah.
0: No, like, yeah. Like, when like Seattle sure, made the trade,
1: good. we felt like it was a lot to give up. But the way he played in New York and even the way, like, Seattle used him last year, like, he beat the NFL record for DB sacks. I think he had like 12 sacks and he missed four games last year. Like, he played really well last year. He struggled a little bit in coverage, but like, this year in coverage, he's a liability. He's an absolute (laughs) liability. I mean, a—I think there was a play like two weeks ago where I don't forget, I forget who it was, but it was like a post route and he was in perfect position to make the pick. He just couldn't find the ball. Like you're an NFL player and you just can't locate the, he just couldn't locate Uh. the football. And I think like he's really, they say like once you get paid, you get fat and happy. And that's kind of what it looks like. I mean, he's not the same player he was Two years ago and um i think that's a you think it's thing, the money like, i'm a g i mean what else is it
0: i think it could be scheme defensive scheme but i don't know like i mean you know how it is like defensive scheme does But he, like,
1: he yeah but he fits that scheme because like you look at cam chancer like they didn't put cam chancer in a lot of like coverage situation it was like Running up, filling the box, and then like there's times where you have to like the thing with Jamal Adams is like he can't even make the fifty-fifty play. Like I'm not talking about him being you know Ed Reed, ball hawk safety. <laughs> oh, the I'm saying, is bro, too much for me. you literally took a football to the face mask versus Steelers. Like you oh, ate that's it. Bad. Like and if that's... he wasn't wearing a visor, it would have been a pick because it would have got stuck between the bar and the head mask. Like like the little it giants. was such a bullet. Yeah, yeah maybe like the it was giants. like. Yeah, he's just—he's not making plays that like you would expect a defensive player in that position to make. Like, I'm not saying like make Travon Diggs interceptions off of tip balls. I'm yeah. saying like when the ball gets handed to you, make the interception. From a, when you're in position, make the pick. Yeah, from you a 40
0: year old quarterback. So there's not like Ben was putting a ton of zip on that ball. You know, I mean, I don't know, man. I man, I feel like I feel like we should have a whole. Like, set if I'm of- a
1: GM, I'm playing. I'm playing a quarterback. I'm playing my quarterback. I'm playing my, I'm playing my left tackle. And then I'm getting draft picks. Like, that's the, that's the only people I'm trusting, man. Yeah, so no,
0: we've, you know, obviously we're not NFL GMs, but we talked about this. Like, I, we really would build our team from the inside out. Like, for real, like, okay, Jacksonville got their quarterback. For, like, the next five drafts, you need to, like, as long as you're in position or, like, trade up, like, you need to take linemen, period. Like, I don't care about skill position, guys. I don't care about running backs. Like, you need to draft linemen, period. End of discussion. Then flip over to the defensive side of the ball start, start drafting some interior D D linemen, get, get you a good D tackle, get you a a, a, a few good edge pass rushers. Um, and then start building out from there. It's just, it's not rocket science to me. Uh, I mean, you look at, look at the, look at the Niners like a few years ago, like offensive line, really good defensive line, really, really good, you know? And then you plug in guys like, even though I like Jimmy G it's like, I know he's not an elite guy. So it's like, you can make up for a lot of flaws on your team if you have those two aspects of your team built right. You know, like, like look at look at Seattle. Like they are, like offensively, like you have a, you have a franchise quarterback, but like you can't protect him. You know, so like, I don't know. I just we're not getting paid to do that. So I just I just think it's not rocket. I don't think it's rocket science. So, but these guys, I feel like make it rocket science. That's why I like I like Deshaun to Miami because they have a you know. Their O-line's getting built out, and, um, you know, I think if you can get him, then just continue to build out the O-line. You know, the defense is pretty solid. So, I don't know, man. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at skill positions, it's like so many of the best skill position players in the NFL, you've taken drafts, like you've taken third, fourth, fifth round. I mean, you look at like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, both second-round picks. I think I think DK for the third-round pick, right? You look at running backs, like you don't I know even know that was drafts, a tough draft backs, for you
0: because you guys got Nikhil Harry in the first, so.
1: Hey, he caught a he caught a, a a really sick fade when we were up forty eight to three, <laughs> and uh, he posted it on Instagram. He's like, "Feed me the ball." It's like, oh, um, no, game? he did it. Like, yeah, no, yeah, he yeah, did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was like you man. got it in garbage time. No. I saw that. I saw the catch, and the first thing I had to do was like check the time of the game. Three forty eight left. <laughs> Score forty seven to three, and he posted three pictures, and I was like, "Bro, like
0: uh, get off the
1: field." He's but yeah, I,
0: He's I think clowns. like
1: offensive line and defensive line. I think it normally really matters early in the draft because you're thinking like these are different make difference makers athletically, right? Like these are offensive tackles that have more size and strength. These are edge rushers that have more speed. But for skill position guys, like so much of it is scheme, where you don't have to take a guy unless it, unless it's Calvin Johnson, right? Like you don't have to take a guy second overall. Like the Saquon Barkley, like taking him second overall. It's still like that put the Giants back so far as a franchise because you took a running back. I don't care how skilled you are, second overall, when you've like they're just starting to build their offensive line, where if they would have been building it the last two or three seasons, they wouldn't be in the position they're in right now. I mean, you saw Tampa like Tampa drafted a tackle. They signed Tom Brady. The first thing they did was draft a tackle. That's what you do. And I think, you know, the teams that have consistently done that have been the teams that have been most successful in the NFL consistently.
0: Did you give us a final score for tonight? If I miss it, I'm, I apologize. I know you picked Seattle, but did you give us a score? Oh,
1: I did not. Um, I think it's a relatively low-scoring game. I'm going to go 17-14 ooh, Seattle. Ooh. All right, man.
0: Well, that's going to wrap things up for Episode 79 of the DNC Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Leave us some comments. Drop some DMs. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us some questions. We'll definitely cover them as well. Uh, Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you guys next Monday.